It was on the Illinois late 1980s. The living room was the auditorium. The dining room chairs became the seating. The attendance consisted, uh, consisted of myself, my little sister, one dog and one cat that we owned. My sister led the singing. We collected 14 cents in the offering plate that morning. My elementary school mouth preached the loudest and most passionate sermon the world has ever heard. And the entire congregation came forward to make a decision for Christ to the words of just as I am without one plea on that great day. Have you already figured it out? What were we doing? We were playing church. If there's one thing that we don't want to do at Venture Christian Church, it is this. We don't want to play church. We've talked about in this series, we don't go to church, we don't attend church, we don't play church, we don't put on church. What do we do? We plant ourselves in the church. That's what Psalm 92 says. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. I would just suggest that the lack of growth, uh, the, the lack of spiritual growth, the stagnancy of Christianity in the United States of America is not a problem with the belief system of Jesus. It is a problem with the belief system of the church. He says, don't attend church. He says, plant yourself in the church. I don't know if you know this. Uh, ha have you ever heard somebody say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church? Have you ever heard that? I love Jesus, but I don't want to mess with the church. Let me just tell you this. If you love Jesus, you will love the church. Have you ever heard anybody say, uh, I love eating, but I don't like food? I love swimming, but I don't like water. I love flying, but I don't like airplanes. Friends, if you love Jesus, you will love his church. In Acts chapter 9, before Saul was converted to Christianity, before his name was turned to Paul, he was murdering and imprisoning and torturing and uh, trying his best to ruin the lives of Christians. And then Jesus shows up to him and says these interesting words in Acts chapter 9, Saul, Saul, why do you what? Persecute me. And I imagine Saul was thinking, man, you got some bad intel. I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. I don't know what you saw on social media, but it ain't right, just like everything else you see on social media. I'm not persecuting you, Jesus. I'm persecuting the church. But what was Jesus saying? No, no, no. When you persecute me, you're, when you persecute the church, you're persecuting me. When you neglect the church, you neglect Jesus. When you curse the church, you're cursing Jesus. When you ignore the church, you are ignoring Jesus. How you treat the church is how you treat Jesus Christ. So the message this morning is entitled, All In. Everybody say the two words, all in. All in. And I'm going to challenge everybody here today to go all in with Jesus and his church. Ivan the Great was the leader of Russia for many years, really the George Washington of Russia. He put Russia together as we know it today. And he married one time, and his wife had, never did have a son. And so one of his servants said, man, you, you need to get another wife so you can have a son. He said, well, I don't have time for that. You go find me a wife. And, and sure enough, that servant went out and found a, a, a Greek beauty, as she was called. She was beautiful. There was only one thing. He had to join the Greek Orthodox Church to marry her. She said, you have to join the Greek Orthodox Church. He said, that's not a problem. So he joined, 
And I guess they baptized three times four in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He brought 500 soldiers along for the, uh, for the ceremony. And they were so impressed by the ceremony that they all said they want to join the Greek Orthodox Church and be baptized as well. And so they went through the catechism. They went through everything that you have to go through, uh, you know, all the hoopla and all that stuff. And then they were getting ready to, to be baptized. And the Greek Orthodox Church said, we have a problem. We don't baptize soldiers who kill. And I guess Ivan the Great said, that's not going to be a problem. Historical fact, 500 soldiers were baptized in one day with their armor and sword above the water. Isn't that a picture? A little bit of what many Christians do today. How many of us have left our tongue out of the water? Or we left our temper out of the water? Or we left our anger out of the water. We left our selfishness out of the water. Lord, I'll give you this, but I won't give you that. And maybe that's why the Lord commanded immersion and not sprinkling in Scripture, because immersion is a picture of going all in. I heard about one man who spent $1,000 on Houston Astros tickets. Opening day, great seats. He, he, he spent $1,000 on opening day tickets, and then he realized he made a mistake. He scheduled that, or he bought the tickets on the day of his wedding. Oh. And so he put out on Facebook, he said, uh, does anybody want to take my place? Here was his Facebook post. It's 1 p.m., First Christian Church. Her name is Tiffany. I don't think he was all in with his marriage. So what does it look like to be planted? What does it look like to be all in? Let me give you six things I believe all come from Scripture. Number one, be an assembler. Be an assembler. It is true that God's highest calling for you is not to attend church. God's highest calling for you is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. But if you are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, you will attend church. Jesus did. Luke chapter 4 puts it this way. He is referring to Jesus. Came to Nazareth where he had been reared as he always did. On the Sabbath, he went to the meeting place. This is New Testament. This is before the birth of the church, before the cross, before the resurrection. So they were doing Saturday. They were doing the synagogue. It was Jewish. It wasn't Christian. But it says, as he always did, he went to the meeting place. Every churchgoer may not be a Christian, but every Christian is a churchgoer. Hebrews chapter 10, by the author of the Holy Spirit, put it this way, let us Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling. The Bible doesn't call it attending. The Bible calls it assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I got a question. I'll scale from one to ten. Just answer it privately. Scale from one to ten. How important is coming to church on Sunday to you? How important is it? Ten being the utmost important, one being like never. We have a lady in here right now who she's been in the hospital for the last two weeks. She's up here singing. I asked her, when did you get out of the hospital? She said yesterday, and she's here today, Marcella. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. I think that's worth, that's called devotion to the church. We have a lady in the room today. She's working on the clock right now, and she's in the room. <laughs> She's working at a, I'm not going to name the company, just, she's working down the street and she asked her supervisor, can I take an hour and a half off on Sunday morning? He said, you're still clocked. 
you can come. And that says a lot about her, but it also says a lot about the supervisor. She's sitting in the room right now every Sunday. She's here every Sunday on the clock. Man, I want a boss like that. That's pretty cool. That didn't even make sense. because Okay, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty <laughs> You know what? There is no greater example to give to your kids than to let them know the first day of the week is the Lord's day. Amen? One of the excuses that preachers hear, all kinds of excuses about why people miss church. I actually had a list I was going to throw up here. Ten top ten reasons I've heard people miss church in my years of ministry. And I came up with 68, so I decided not to, I'm just, (laughs) I just kept going. But the most common that I hear is we have family in town. And I just think, what a great opportunity you just had to be an example to your family, to let them know, man, I'll visit with you on Friday night, and I'll visit with you all day Saturday, and I will visit with you all day Sunday, but Sunday morning, I am going to be with my church family. Do you think that'll stand out to them? Do you think that'll let them know what is number one in your life? I can't imagine missing the opportunity to share with your family, this is what I'm about. And I'm not going to miss the Lord's Supper for anything. By the way, I just want you to know, scriptures aside, I need church. How many of you are with me? I need church. About half of you. Okay, well... I need church. I haven't figured it all out yet. I'm still a work in progress. Nobody has mistaken me for Jesus Christ this week, just so you know. I need this. I need the singing. I need the preaching. I need the communion. I need the fellowship, the encouragement. I need all that God has put together with this. I'm not above it. I need it. And I have a feeling I'll need it for the rest of my life. So be an assembler. Commit to that. What does it mean to be planted in the house of the Lord? Be an assembler. Number two, commit yourself to be an encourager. Why do you go to church? You know what most people will say to that? To worship God. Is that in your Bible? Does it ever say in the New Testament you go to church to worship God? It does not. You know why the Bible says you go to church? It doesn't say to go get your worship on. I've heard that recently. I'm going to go get my worship on. Worship does not have a start time. Worship does not have an ending time. Worship does not have a wall that you walk in, and once you leave the wall or leave the building, worship stops. Worship is a lifestyle that you live. This is part of our weekly worship, but this is not why we come. You know why the scriptures say you come to church? Hebrews chapter 10, that passage we just read, I'll read it again. It it told us, did you catch it? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. Now watch these next four words, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. We need encouragement. Why do we assemble? To encourage one another. Don't ever let a Sunday pass where you come in these doors and you walk out and you didn't encourage somebody. Don't ever let that happen. Everybody needs encouraged. Nobody's above it. Your preacher's not. I can tell you this. The first time I preached, I was 18 years old, and I, it, it ruined my week. Like all week, I couldn't sleep. I was mad at myself for even committing to doing it. And uh, man, during the song service, I, remember, I was just a nervous wreck. I was sitting over here on this side. I was sweating. I had sweat stains coming out underneath my shirt, and I wore three T-shirts underneath just trying to stop it. And I was praying during the, I mean, you're probably thinking during the song service, this 
holy man named Nathan was probably praying, God, during this sermon, move people's hearts that they would make a commitment to Jesus. No, I wasn't praying that. You know what I was praying? I was praying, send a thunderstorm to knock the power out of this church building so we can dismiss church before the sermon starts. I mean, I was scared to death. And I went up there and I zipped through that thing as fast as I can. I prepared an hour's worth. I preached for 12 minutes and got through everything. And people were giving their life away from Jesus at the end of that. It was so bad. But I get back to the back and I do the preacher thing and I stand by the door and I shake everybody's hands as they're walking out. And everybody, they were just encouraging. And they shook my hand and said, good sermon, preacher. (laughs) Good sermon, preacher. One by one, good sermon, preacher. You know what? I needed that. Except for one lady. When she came by, she put her head to the side, that bless your heart look. Do you know the look? And she said, you'll get better. That's the one I remember. Out of the whole evening, I remember that I'll never forget that lady's statement. Just a little bit of discouragement goes a long ways, doesn't it? You remember it 20 years later. Not that I remember things like that. But yeah, we need encouragement. Now, I've heard preachers say, Man, you know, everybody goes back there and they say, good sermon, preacher, good sermon. And I've heard preachers say, don't lie to the preacher. If he didn't have a good sermon, don't go back there and lie to me. I just want you to know, go ahead and lie to me. (laughs) I I lay plenty of eggs. I want you to lie to me. I'm so vulnerable in that moment, I can't handle it. Proverbs 16, I use three different words from three different translations to start it. It puts it this way, gracious words, pleasant words, Kind words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. You know what I'd love to hear? Somebody wakes up on Sunday morning, they say, man, I've had a long week, and I need to rest this week. I can get some extra hours of sleep this week. Maybe I can skip church, but no, 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 no. Somebody there this morning needs my encouragement, and I'm going to go. Not because the preacher's so good or Doug's so good with the music, but because somebody needs an arm around their shoulder this week, and I believe God's going to put me in their path. This isn't about you. This is about everybody else. Amen? So be an assembler. Be an encourager. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, encourage one another. Build each other up just as, in fact, you were doing. And then number three, be a participator. Have you ever walked into church and nobody's participating, nobody's singing, nobody's amening, nobody's reading, nobody? they're just sitting there like they're getting their teeth pulled from the dentist? You ever been to a church like that? How encouraging is that? (laughs) That just makes everybody want to just move with the Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you. This group right here, as we continue to have visitors week after week here at Duryea Elementary, you commit to being a participator. Whether you can sing or not, whether you understand what I'm talking about or not, and whether you like the joke or not, for goodness sake, laugh. (laughs) I had to get that off my heart. All right. But that infiltrates the entire room. People experience that, and they feel that, and they sense that. And, man, I'm with you. I've been there where I, man, I I don't know how to sing this song, and I'm not a very good singer, and people are looking at me like, would you stop singing? I'll just tell you this. Even if you can't sing, mouth it. And I mean it. Because you're setting an example around you. People are watching you, and they wonder, do you believe what we're singing? And even if you've lost your voice today, or you're under the weather, fake it for the glory of God. (laughs) Fake it. Be a participator. Be involved in this. 
By the way, the Lord hears your heart more than he hears your vocal cords. Amen? Ephesians 5.19, here's a command. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I call it being a team player. That's what I call it. And by the way, participating doesn't just mean participating in the service. It means participating in the church. Many people won't get involved or get on a team for one of two reasons. They don't think they're gifted. They don't think they have anything to offer. By the way, who does God give the spiritual gifts to? Who does he give it to? 1 Corinthians 12 says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can... Is it about me or is it about each other? And he's given it to each of us. God has given you at least one gift. Use it for his glory. Number two, people say, well, what I do doesn't make a difference. Well, I just want to tell you this. When you walked in today, and let's just take this one example, somebody handed you a bulletin. Do you know what it took to get that bulletin in your hands? Somebody had to come up with the information and email it. Somebody had to make a design. Somebody had to create that design. Somebody had to send it to the print shop. Somebody had to make the order on their credit card. Somebody had to drive to the print shop and pick it up and drive it back. Somebody had to bring it to church this morning. Somebody had to hand it to the greeter, and the greeters handed it to you, and then you walked it in here, and that's just with the bulletin. Somebody had to set these chairs up today. Somebody had to put that pipe and drape up today. Somebody set up this music. Somebody put the chords together for every instrument. Somebody prepared a sermon. Somebody prepared a communion devotion. Somebody put, those, uh, put the grape juice and the crackers in there. Somebody's working in the children. Somebody opens up their home on Wednesday nights for our youth group. Somebody prepares a message on Wednesday nights for our youth group and a plan for our youth group. Somebody's working in the nursery, and praise God, it's none of us in here. Let them be back there. But I'm kidding, but kind of, but... Somebody put all this together. Somebody had to practice the drums this week. Somebody had to line all these cords up this morning. Somebody had to drive the truck here. Somebody had to put gas in that truck. Somebody had to change the oil in that truck. And somebody had to unload all all the boxes in that truck. And all those things put together create the experience that we get on Sunday morning. And when somebody walks in for the very first time, they often determine if they're coming back a second time based on the experience. But it all adds up to the full experience. And you may say, well, I don't play a big role, but here's what I believe is going to happen. All of us are going to stand before God someday. And for many of us, he's going to put his arm around our shoulder and he's going to look over in the corner of heaven. He's going to say, you see that gal? You see that guy? They're in heaven because of you. And you're going to say, no, they aren't. I never preached a sermon. I never shared the gospel. I don't even know who that is. No, no, no. You set up for first impressions. You played a part in the full experience of them hearing the gospel of grace. Let me just tell you this. Eternity is hanging in the balance. Would you say that with me? Eternity is hanging in the balance. One more time. Eternity is hanging in the balance. In the balance. Whether or not somebody comes back a second time is really not dependent on how clever of a sermon I come up with as much as the full experience that we have. By the way, I just want to tell you this this church gets an A plus for participation. You guys, most churches, the average church, 20% of the church does 80% of the work. You've heard that statistic? We have about 95% of our congregation right now on a team of some sort. You're blowing records out of the Guinness Book of World Records. And so I'm sitting here preaching to the choir, but I just want you to know you have encouraged me by the way you've participated. Number, number four, be an inviter. 
Be a promoter of the church. The great revivalist D.L. Moody said in the 1800s, he would preach to thousands. He was a great inviter. But there was a lady in his church who was critical of him. And she said, I don't like the way you invite. You're too pushy. And he said, well, man, I could use some tips then. How do you invite people to church? She said, well, I don't. And he said, I like the way I invite better than the way you don't. And I can tell you this. I don't think I'm the best inviter. There's sometimes I'm too pushy. Sometimes I'm a little bit of a coward. I think I could use some help on the inviting, but I'd much rather invite and strike out than never promote what God is doing through his church. Be an inviter. That's what it means to be planted. It means to be an assembler, an encourager, a participator, an inviter. Number five, be a contributor. Probably more than any other way, we know somebody's planted by the way they contribute. And I just want to say this financially. The best investment you'll ever make is with the church. You say, show me stock market. Show me the Dow Jones. Show me that's the best investment. You'll see. The best investment you can ever make is with the Lord's church. Do you believe that? He's preparing something for those who love him. We never ask anybody to give to the church. We ask people to give to Jesus. This is his church, his baby, his mission. He's the leader. We're just stewards of it for a season. Phil Claycomb, the founder of Nexus, the founder of the group that helped us start this church, he said, nothing says more about someone's faith than their year-end giving report. First time he said that, I was taken back. I said, that's not true. Inwardly, I didn't tell him out loud. <laughs> I said, that's not true. Then I started searching the scriptures, and I realized he's, he's right. Nothing says more about your faith than your year-end giving report to the Lord. Sad story, but impactful. Luke 21, the rich were putting their offerings uh, in the offering basket, so to speak, which is good. Nothing wrong with that. But they were being proud about how much they were giving. And they looked down on this widow lady who only gave two pennies. It says two mites. She was poor. And they were looking down on her. The scriptures never say they were looking down, but it is implied. And Jesus suggested it by even giving this story. And it says this from the Lord. He said in Luke 21, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the sacrifice. Well, Nathan, I'm nervous. What if I give too much to Jesus? Then I'm going to lose my house. I've never seen that happen. Have you ever seen that happen? Have you ever seen somebody give so much they can't eat that week? Somehow God has a way of taking care of those who contribute to his cause. Second Corinthians chapter 8 puts it this way, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Number six, be a unity-er. All the other words had an er, so I had to create a word today. Be a unity-er. That's it. Uniter. <laughs> <laughs> be an encourager 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10 let's go to scripture and away from my words I appeal to you brothers and sisters <laughs> unbelievable in the name I, I worked so hard I'll what is a word for unity er I appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name I didn't go to Bible calls this is what happens when in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Let me just tell you this. 
Nothing puts the mission of Christ on a halt quicker than division, quicker than a spirit of division. And God knew that. God knew that. My dad works in a school with behaviorally challenged students who've been kicked out of the public school system, and they've been put into this um, another school, and it's really the stop before they actually often go to jail. But this is an opportunity for these kids to get back on track and to maybe get back put into, uh, into the public school system that they got kicked out of. He was telling me a story this week that there was a student that actually got kicked out of his school. So they got kicked out of the public school, and this student got kicked out of his school for behavior issues. And over time, often these students get invited back. But this particular student was to that point where he had spent some time in jail, and now he was having an opportunity to come back. But all the teachers get to vote on it. Are we going to allow this student back? And the teachers always say yes. You know, we're going to give this kid another chance. And we all need second chances, third chances, 20th chances for this kid probably. And all the teachers voted on it, and they said no. And they said here's why. He'll take the entire lifeboat down. That's what they said. We have a good thing going here. We're bringing kids along. We're giving an opportunity to get back on, on track, give an opportunity to graduate high school and end up going to college. We're doing a good thing, and we're doing our best to help these kids. But the way this kid's behavior is, it's so divisive, it's so hateful, that his entire goal is to bring the whole lifeboat down. And we can't have that. Church, we have a lifeboat. We're saving people. The mission of this church is to bring people into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And the worst thing that could happen is if somebody comes in and tries to sink the lifeboat. That's what division does. When somebody decides, I'm going to be the ultimate critic, I'm going to be the ultimate discourager, I am convinced there are some people, they think their spiritual gift is discouragement. (laughs) I've been around that. And what it ends up doing is sinking the lifeboat. There's no way for me to tell you how many churches I've talked to, how many preachers I've talked to, they are spending all their energy, all their time trying to fix a fight. Isn't that sad? And they spend all their energy on that, but guess where they don't get to spend their energy on because they're spending all their energy on that? They're spending it on bickering and turmoil, and so they don't get to spend it on winning people to Jesus. Here's what the scriptures say in Ephesians chapter 4. Make every effort. Say it with me. Make every effort. Again, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I just want to tell you, there's enough fighting going on out there. We never need it in here. Let's have a refuge from that. Let's make a decision to be planted in the churches to be a uniter. And so here's what I wrote down. We're going to put it on the screen. Here's the question. Am I going to be a lifeboat sinker or a unity keeper? Am I going to be a lifeboat sinker or a unity keeper? Shire, you can come to play. Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. You watch the demographic, uh, demographic, democratic presidential debate this week. Anybody watch democratic presidential debate? Got one. Two, three, four, five, six. We're going slow, guys. <laughs> if everybody puts their hand up at once. <laughs> okay. Participator. All right. About eight of you. I watched. I recorded. We watched it later that night. Did you see it? Oh, my goodness. I lasted 32 minutes before I turned it off. Anybody know why I turned it off? 
And I wanted to know what they had to say. What's your plan for the country? What's the vision and the mission? Those of you who didn't watch it, you already know what I'm about to say. All they did was fight and bicker and name call and bring up things that happened 25 years ago and bring up things that happened 35 years ago. It so was making my stomach turn that I had to turn it off. And I'm not pointing my finger at the Democrats because the Republicans did it four years ago in their debates. That can happen in politics and we're still gonna elect a president this November, but that can never happen at Venture Christian Church. And let me tell you what's at stake. Jesus is going to the cross. It's the night of his death and he says a prayer. Remember he says a prayer? John 17, Garden of Gethsemane, he prays. Blood's coming out of his body. He prays for this. I have given them the glory that you have gave me that they may be church, what? One, as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought together to complete unity. And then if they do that, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Stop going to church. Plant yourself in the church. Go all in. Be an assembler. Be an encourager. Be a participator. Be an inviter. Be a contributor. And be a uniter. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. (laughs) The second best time to plant a tree is today. And maybe some of you have been wondering, "Eh, I've never really gotten all in. This would be a great day to go all in. We're going to do something a little bit different during the invitation song. I'm going to stand up here and face you. And if you want to come forward and say, I'm all in, I'm going to have you come forward. You're not going to say any words to the congregation. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And some of you have already told me this privately. You've already told me after the venture class. You already told me in my living room or on the phone, Nathan, you can count on me. And many of you have already proven it over the course of months and over the course of the last year that you're all in. But something happens when you come forward and publicly say, hey, church, I'm all in. And I believe like you. And I love the same Lord that you do. Let's do this together. I want to invite you to have the opportunity to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the church and your idea of it and your leading of it. And you always, you're always fighting for the church. But Father, we have, we've missed it when we just attend or we just go to. And so Father, would you convince us and convict us to plant ourselves in the church of Jesus Christ? Father, if there's some people in here today who have never said yes to a church, May they realize this morning that that's the same as saying yes to Jesus. And if they've never planted themselves and they're in and out and I'll, I'll come when I come and I'll miss when I miss. Father, I pray that you may catch their heart today on fire for your mission. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.